Hey, what's this? What about our life? Is it that bad? No, what about our life with Chris and Will? Oh, the show that gets you talking. Yeah, and these two haven't stopped talking for three seasons. <laughs> what did the sea say to the boat? I don't know what. Nothing, it just waved. <laughs> okay, buddy. Oh my goodness, hello! We are so glad to be back on yes, air again. Yes, yes. <laughs> How are you guys? Welcome to another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. This week we are talking all about writing. One of my favorite subjects. Yes, indeed. Before that, I've got to thank you guys for being patient with us. It's been busy then busy from having COVID. Right. Yes, we got sick, unfortunately. But we are doing better. Yeah, yeah. We're back, and, you know, I still haven't gotten my voice back. So if it sounds like I've reached puberty again, that means I have reached puberty for a second time in my life. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I don't even know if I, ha I reached puberty the first time of my life i don't even remember my voice changing the first time of my life ever you know some people you can tell when their voice yeah. changes uh -huh. and they reach, it's just obvious for myself i don't ever remember that happening yeah i mean it's just kind of like okay yeah or like you know when there's like you know the growing pains so to speak but i didn't go through that or at least i didn't well, think I, I did or I I just, just I, I don't know it was odd I guess I don't know yeah. I don't remember I don't remember I, I don't remember any of that time of my life you know that time of your life when unexpected things pop up in unexpected areas <laughs> and I don't remember that I think I would be so thrilled <laughs> I would <laughs> I could see my reaction is that oh Hair grows there. Yay. I think I would. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just weird like that. I would just be so excited. Now, if somebody else was to tell me that that, that happens to them, I would be like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. But for me, it would be like, oh, okay. You know, um, I did. Well, I do remember during that time when it was like end of middle school, when it was like, oh, okay. I didn't know that girls mature faster in that sense yeah. than boys do. Like, I'm like. Okay. We're sitting here talking about puberty. Yeah, we're like, we're like what? And it has nothing to do with today's show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's just... I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I am better. I've been vaccinated before, so before I got yes, it. And, yes, yes. You know, it was a uh, very challenging time. But I am better now. Just still got to get through this final phase. And hopefully, hopefully, I will never have to deal with that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Never have to deal with that again. But, you know, one of the greatest things that we love doing... And then we're going to talk about today is our first topic, which is going to be telling stories. Yeah, That is a great thing and a great gift about Chris and Will. Yes. Because we always have some of the best stories to uh -huh. tell. Yeah. And I think personally that originated from my own grandparents. Because you know what? Your grandparents, if you were fortunate enough to have grandparents like mine, that loved to tell stories. They absolutely loved to tell stories. And and sometimes they, they would even exaggerate. They'd be that Sophia that would make stuff up and, <laughs> you know, but it would be so intriguing. You would be sitting there going, I know you're, I know you're full of shit, but at the end of the day, this is so interesting. But you know, what's also interesting too, is like, if you have grandparents where you're like, I want to hear your story, you know, not like where it's like, 
one, you know, an exaggerated example. I walked 15 miles in the snow without shoes. You're like, okay, but what else is there? And so you, I think that would have to be, that's where the, what is a good story comes from. Yeah. Yeah. When it's relatable and you can, you have some sort of a touching moment with it. Yeah. uh Even if it's with your imagination where you can almost put yourself in the other person's shoes and, and feel like you're going through that with him. That's a great story. Mm -hmm. That is a wonderful thing. And, you know, of course, we have our film coming out. And one thing that people say is that is we tell a very great story. And it's very story-oriented. It doesn't feel like it's a two-hour documentary. It's like an entire story movie, Mm -hmm. so to speak. So we're really good at doing that, and we love doing that. And, again, I think that comes from my grandparents because, you know, my stories is all about living through it and living life through it. And I can sometimes I, you know, when I was growing up, I could be outside because, you know, we were always required to stay outside during warm times. Go find something to do. You couldn't stay yeah. inside. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Even though my mother was burning the kitchen down with her cooking, <laughs> I still had to stay outside. You know, I couldn't and couldn't enjoy burning the kitchen down because I would have probably burned it oh more down. Gosh. I don't know. She did do that a couple of times. She did. She probably killed me for saying that. Yeah, that's but what she I was did. like. She did. One morning she was cooking breakfast and she decided she forgot that she had bacon on the stove oh. and decided she was going to go weigh herself because that's what women do, I guess, is they want to weigh themselves before they eat bacon. I, I don't know. I don't know why she went into the other room and says, oh, I got to see how much I weigh because this bacon Maybe is... Maybe she got bored I of staring at the bacon. No I don't know. idea, but I guess she felt so compelled that she was... I guess gaining weight or mad because she couldn't eat the bacon. So she literally burned the kitchen down. And I remember because <laughs> all the alarms in the entire house were going off and which you didn't, you didn't really kind of play into it because the fire alarms was always went off in the house. You know, whether <laughs> my father was cooking or she was cooking somewhere along the line, the fire alarms were always going off. So you kind of just got adjusted to it and say, okay, somebody's <laughs> having a bad day. I mean, they're both great cooks. I'm not saying that they're yeah, not, like... but sometimes they get distracted, I guess. And something just kind of happens. But this one time it was in morning before school and, and then all of a sudden she's running down the hall, get up, get up, get up. And, so, of course, we had to get out. I mean, it didn't burn, burn down the thing, but um, it was just unique. Cause... Well, you know, if you if if you were sleeping in, then, well, now you got to get up. Time to go to school. Well, I didn't get that know. extra five minutes that day, of oh, course. Oh, okay. So, uh, but, um, but no, it, it was funny because after that incident when the, they came in and they rebuilt some of the kitchen and then they had to bring cleaners to come in and clean oh, up. gosh. It was interesting for a little while. It really was. But the most, the fun thing about that was I never knew a Coke bottle could melt like it did until I saw that she melted a Coke bottle. Wow. And I'm like, what, why, why is the Coke bottle melted on that side? <laughs> it wasn't even on, did you put that on the stove? No. I guess the flames were so much, so bad that it melted yeah. everything that was on the side. So, Jeez. so, you know, so yes, that that's happened before, but you know, I, I, where was I going with that? I don't know. But it You're was a great going, story to tell, yes, so, you yeah. know? Uh-huh. And so when you tell that, it's funny because then she would laugh about it, but she probably don't remember it now. But my, my father did the same thing. We've always, all of us have done something that has intriguingly done 
made us all laugh, like you boiling and disappearing water. Cause... Well, I mean, okay, so really quickly, the thing is, is that I mostly microwave stuff, but when it came to making spaghetti, I didn't put... Chris was at work. This was many, many, many years ago. You did ago. the same thing my mother did. Yeah. You went and did something else. Except I know you weren't weighing yourself for bacon. No, I wasn't. Well, well I was just standing in the kitchen. And you were doing something well, else. I was well, I was standing in the kitchen. I'm like, all right, do I literally the whole entire time have to be staring at this pot of water and, you know, the whatever. So I think I just was looking the other way or something. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, he burnt water and it all dissolved. Well, it all, it evaporated, the water, yeah. Yeah, so, you know. But, so now anyway, what I have is, and yes. He's not, allowed, he's not allowed to use the oven or the stove while I'm not here. Ha, 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 Because he funny. burns things down. No, I don't burn things down. Yeah. I didn't burn yeah, anything do. down. Yeah, it may have too. boiled over, but it didn't burn it down. You go in the kitchen and starting to cook something, the dog runs away. Ha, uh, ha. Uh, yes, it's true. The dog walks out. That's funny. Now, when I go in the kitchen to make food, the dog's following me because the dog's like, oh, I'm safe in here. Willie goes in there to cook stuff. The you, dog's like, oh, shit, whatever. I got to get out of here. Or whatever you know it's like yeah, yes so what i use now is yes you may laugh i use what's called the pasta boat you fill it up with the water for the amount of pasta noodles you put in there put it in the microwave for like between 15 and 20 minutes depending on oh, your we don't need, size. we're not doing a cooking show okay well no oh, i just think it's interesting thing. because i i'm Letting them know I found another way to make spaghetti. He doesn't spaghetti. burn water anymore. Yes. End of story. Done, done with it. See, we don't but to... I told the story a different way. You should have just said, I seen on TV. Oh, there you go. See, yeah, you I can wrap it up TV. in a couple yes. of words. All right. Now, are there stories that are right and wrong? Yes. Yes. Just like And that said. was just one of them. Well, so. you know, not really. Some people make up stories just to be intriguing. Some people make up stories called bullshitting and lying and everything else that are not. Absolutely. But, you know... Sometimes when you know a person is making something up, again, it's in that moment to where they do something that is interesting. Now, if it's one of the stories where you must believe it, then yeah, kind of don't do that. But if it's one of those stories where you're just having a conversation and you're like, oh, this is full of shit, then just go with it. You know, that's <laughs> some great stories are great stories. But you know what? Some of the best stories are some of the stories that you really can't figure out if they're telling the truth you want to say that they're telling the truth because of that person and who they are but sometimes you're like oh i find that hard to believe so yeah. you're 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 battling with yourself to figure out the mm -hmm. truth on that and some and when i say that it's like you know what biggest thing we learned growing up never judge a book by its cover yes. because you unless you're physically there to look up what they do and what they're going on in their life or whatever the subject matter is of that story you're never going to be verifying it. Mm -hmm. You're never going to verify the truth of it because sometimes even like within our business, we have a staff. Sometimes we don't show them and mm -hmm. tell them everything that goes yeah. on because we just don't want them to have that knowledge or we it's not for their business and it's supposed to be kept or it's restricted. So sometimes when we tell them things, we, we, we have to tell them half the story because we can't tell them the whole story. So they have to figure it out for themselves. So my thing of it is, is, the way I handle that type of situation is it is up to you to decide what you want to believe and what you don't want to believe. But you hold the responsibility in whatever decision that you make. Yes. So that's kind of where it goes with that. And you know what? 
we've all heard the worst stories. I mean, gosh, some of the worst excuses that ever came out, we've used them before. You know, even growing up, I don't think I ever used the dog ate my, ham- my, oh, hamburger, no. my hamburger. Hamper- uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't ever remember using that with ham- homework. I just say I never did it, um, you know, because I, I just didn't. Uh, life stories, again, best stories ever is when you can relate to those type of deals. Story to film. What are the best... What are the best stories to film that you remember? Oh, gosh. I, at the moment, I can't recall. So go ahead and just fill in because well, I, I don't have know to what say come to thing me. That comes on, I guess, because we were watching it earlier. A League of Their Own. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can, I, that one. Yeah. All right, you go from book to film, Harry Potter. Oh, yes, Harry That's Potter. One one. There's um, so many out there, but I would have I, to Harry say, Potter comes um, to mind. I mean, now here are some, are some books that they were made into movies, but the books were better. Um, I would have to say Indian in the Cupboard, um, A Bridge to Terabithia. I liked those books. They did become movies. Um, Love fantasy stories. Yes, yes, definitely. I do. Sometimes some of the best writing, even the best stories, come with some of the best speeches. That is true, yes. Yes, they have a lot of connections to it. And, you know, um, I love a good talker, and I love a good person that can inspire you, and it's... And, you know, it to me, I guess my thing of it is every time I hear the uh, John F. Kennedy speech, um, the ask not speech, I always get intrigued by that because I always sit there and say the power of that message. It is powerful, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, he was before my time. So I don't know what kind of a president he was. And I imagine there are a lot of people who were either against him or for him. But at the same time, as a person growing up. Even with the Abraham Lincoln speeches, yes, you go back and yes. you remember those type of words and how powerful they are, and you kind of mix them in. So that's what really is. Those are the best stories, I think, for me that involve speeches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it when you have stories that are built from a book or whatever, and it goes to a film, yeah, you always – I love going through those conversations. Which better, the book or the, the film? Yeah. Uh-huh. I always like that. But I don't ever read the books because I just don't have time. I rarely do. I'm surprised I even read books for this show. Well, the interesting thing is, so surprised 20-something years ago, I had gotten you the first Harry Potter book, um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and it was the hardcover book. And, like, you barely got through it. Just, but the movie came out, yeah. let's go oh, and watch I it. Just, <laughs> I don't have patience for it. I'm not that type of person that sits in a bed and, and reads books. I just I just don't. I, I really just, I just don't. I'm not with it. But, you know, the most recent story that comes in that I've been getting a lot lately just from a few people that we've been talking to, it's the COVID story. And it's actually kind of inter- interesting <laughs> because we've actually had a couple – I've actually had a couple of people ask me, oh, how was that? How was that experience? Well, did what you- did you go through? Yeah. And it's like I, they act like I'm go- I went through a war or something. Um, and, you know, and I probably feel like I went through a war because I spent almost a, I spent almost two months in bed. Yeah. Um, I got the fog to where I was running into things, falling on stuff, you know. Um, Getting uh, get, you were in bed and then just all of a sudden just fall off the bed without even knowing it. Yeah, I but would, it wasn't just off the bed. It was like a jolt. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. really crazy. I didn't have fevers. The cough was just un, was unbearable. Uh, no runny nose. I lost my voice. Absolutely lost my voice. That was the best time ever for Willie because I couldn't argue with him. Because every <laughs> time I tried to argue with him, I would. I it went from, bah, 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 
That it was it, ladies and it gentlemen. Was, he's done. It wasn't even that loud. It was just like, but the thing is, though, like, it was even, I won't say it was a tough time for me, but I think it was more so him having to go through that. And as a person who is going through having to see the person that you love go through something like that, and then you maintaining your own self and finding that balance. It's just difficult. It's very well, t- tiresome. I, had to, I was very. If I, you're very tired. Yeah. You can't move. Everything is so weak in your body. You, you know, you you lose your taste buds. You lose your smell. You. If for me, I was able to keep food down. But what had happened is, is I had gotten so many sores in the back of my throat that uh, it felt like that. Somebody went and got a knife and cut all the way to the back of my throat. So it was all sore. So you couldn't really keep and drink stuff down because it hurt so bad. So it was, you know, it was, it was crazy, but you know, it was, it was an experience. It was an experience. I'm glad it's over with. It's an experience I would never recommend, unfortunately, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, you can't you ladies and gentlemen let's just be real you can't you you cannot prevent a virus from happening you can try to do every measure that you possibly can but you are never going to 100% prevent yourself from catching it it's just you just can't i mean we are very careful at the end of the day willie and i um even before the before i got it there was maybe a two places that we had been mm-hmm. within that three week span. And meanwhile, there hasn't been anybody that we've been around uh, or been around anybody yeah. at that point. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, bam, I just got it. So, and the two places I had gone to was the hospital for a different checkup and the store. That was it. So you are never going to know whether or not you're going to catch it. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We wore a mask at both of those locations. Mm -hmm. We wore a mask at both of those locations because you cannot go in the hospital without a mask and you have to keep it on the entire time. And I still got it. So use the precautions to yourself. Do not let it fear you. Yes. Take care of yourself to the best that you can because the more you fear it, the more vulnerable you become. Uh And the more vulnerable you become, the more you're going to catch it. Because I'm going to tell you, we've said many a times, I have heart problems. The COVID didn't even get near it. Yes. Didn't even get near it. So at the end of the day, I told myself and I I told everybody else, this is not going to take the best of me. And I said, I don't fear this. That The first day I found out, and I was like, I don't fear this. It's just going to be another freaking flu that I'm going to get over. And I did. And I did. Because if I let it fear me, I bring myself down. I bring my... I bring everything inside of me down because I'm losing that confidence. So don't, don't. It's very hard. There's a lot of information out there that is misinformation. We have taken the precautions just as much as they're pushing. So I understand that, you know what? It's just, it's a way of life. It's just a way of life. It's something you can control, but you have to make the decision on how you want to control it. Period. Mm-hmm. So, in any sense, moving right along, we're going to go right into writing. Yes. yes we're going to go right oh, I like into that. Yes, yes. I like writing. Again, another part of writing is uh, going through life experiences and having those open up experiences for the world to, to listen to. Those are the best types of writing. 
and writing from the heart, writing from the emotion, writing from the experiences. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. The first project I ever wrote was a Christmas film. Yep. Mm -hmm. It was a Christmas film. Yeah. And believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I will say that uh, Michelle Clooney, we love you. (laughs) We were having dinner with Michelle Clooney. If you don't know who that is, she has been on, I think, uh, CSI, I want to say. She's done oh. a couple of shows. But she was best known for being on the Showtime series Queers Folk. Yes. Uh, yes, she played Melanie. Mm-hmm. We love Michelle. Well, we were having dinner with Michelle, and Michelle read this project, and she was the very first person that sat there and said, you are a writer, my friend. Yeah. And never since then, I had had many celebrities, many A-listers say, this piece of work is an enormous piece of work Mm -hmm. and we were going to produce it and we had the production crew we had the studio behind it we had the locations we had everything ready to go everything ready to go and i put a halt to it yep i put a halt to it because i said it's not finished and right now i took that christmas film and turned it into a three-part series that i'm hoping to get produced in the next couple years Mm -hmm. and you'll see that grand piece of work that I wrote. So I'm very happy with that. Um, It's not hard to write. It's just simply just sitting down, jotting notes and making them make sense. But you know, also a good point too, is that there's so many types of writing. You know, it's not just writing a story, but journaling is writing, you know, like, yeah, it is. And you know, sometimes I think even with musicians, when they write music, yes, they Mm -hmm. sit down and jot words here and there, and then they'll take those pieces of words and and put them together and connect them somehow or another. Mm-hmm. And so that's the best writing. There's no way to train you on it. You can't. I mean, you, you, can't. Can't, you just got to do yeah. it from the heart. Do it from the emotion. I love doing writing with music. And in fact, I am producing a film next year. My second biggest project that oh I wrote goodness. was yes. a feature film. Yes. And um, it is, we're, we're going to film it next year. And I kid you not, and I mentioned this in the show when we had Judy Collins on the show. That's right, yes. And I told Judy, I said, I wrote this grand feature film. It has been seen by many talents, and we are casting right now, actually. And um, she, I told her, I said, I had listened to her song, her version of Amazing Grace, and it was on loop. It was on loop for three days. For three days, I constantly listened to that song to come up with this film. And so far, it's been getting a lot of reviews. People cannot wait until we start producing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get Judy on the film to actually sing that version of Amazing Grace in the film. So we're very, very excited about that. So that was my most recent one with it. But, um, you know, today we have a very unique writer that's on our show. She has done a lot of work, but she's best known for working alongside Bob Hope. Now, Bob Hope is truly a legend. And I wished that I would have had the ability to meet this man and and just feel his vibes because he's he's done so much. He did so much for the world and he appreciated the world. He appreciated people to the point that he got letters after letters after letters that he responded to. Mm -hmm. And you know, before, you know, let's talk a little bit about Bob Hope. You know, he was, of course, he was a legend. He was an icon. He died on July 27, 2003, aged, aged 100. 
Amazing. Isn't that wow. crazy? He appeared in 70 shorts and feature films, wrote 14 books, has a theme song, Thanks for the Memory. That's his signature song. He did 57 tours. Can you believe that? Wow. Unite, he has United Services organization that he started, known to many for his incredible talent and his giving to the veterans. That's right, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was a British stand-up comedian, Hosted the Academy Awards 19 times. Can you believe that? That's a lot. I mean, and the wow. United States Congress in 1997 made him an honorary veteran. Wow. Yeah. And that Well, he contributed far he beyond, I mean, he just did. so much. He did so many different things. And the reason we bring that up is because we got a hold of some of these letters that fans would see. Seen. <laughs> oh, my gosh. See? That would they would send to Bob Hope. I mean, look at these letters. Okay, some of them dated 1944, 1945. They're so here. Let's see. I mean, and the thing is, though, with these letters, they're not just. I mean, you gotta understand it. I'm pretty sure it's different times, but regardless of the era, you feel what these people are not only writing, but you can get a sense of the the correspondence. Uh huh. And he would. He would write these people back. Yes. He mm-hmm. would literally respond to all of his letters that he got. And it's just, wow, there's just so many of them. I'm trying to find the... Uh, trying to, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Trying yeah. to, have to find the um, the quickest one, you know. Here, you can read this one. Okay. Um, that one's short. Okay. So it says here, Dear Bob, England, May 8th, 1944. Dear Mr. Hope, This letter is an appreciation of last week's command performance and the tribute you paid us. The Army Nurses, God's Forgotten Children. Really, sometimes we do feel that we're forgotten in our work, it, unappreciated. But your thanks for the memories at the close of last week's program was a terrific boost for our morale. I think that you've done more for our boys in the service than any other star in Hollywood. And you're certainly tops with all the nurses. It's between you and Jimmy Cagney. Mr. Cagney was here to see us recently, and we like him even better in person. Thanks again for a swell tribute to our honest efforts. Good luck in the splendid work you're doing. Lieutenant Mary Rogers and the Gals in Hut 109. Now read Bob Hope's response. June 7th, 1944. Dear Gals in Hut 109, that was a nice letter you sent me some weeks ago. Perhaps you don't get much publicity, but I guess we all know what a wonderful job you Army nurses are doing. You're a vital cog in this great war machine of ours. The war couldn't be won without you. So just remember, we know you're in there pitching and will not forget you. So it's between Jimmy and me, is it? Well, perhaps at that, I'm better off than Crosby. You know, over here, it's between him and Sinatra. It's made Bing quite moody. I'd like to drop in on you girls in England, but this summer I'm heading for the South Pacific and Burma and China, if possible. I'm going to try to bring a little entertainment to to the jungles if the mosquitoes will let me in here they have really big ones down there my best wishes to you girls over there and keep up the good work america really needs you sincerely bob hope and you know there are so many you guys uh, we could sit here for hours reading you just 
all these different letters that we got a hold of. But, you know, the one, but I figured, you know, you will, you will enjoy this conversation even more because our special guest today is nothing more than Martha Bolton. Yes. Martha Bolton was the first writer for Bob Hope. Mm -hmm. And she's got some interesting topics and she's a wonderful woman. And we are so looking forward to furthering our conversation with her. But for herself, she has written 88 books thus far. Wow. I'm like, wow. <laughs> that's just nuts. Yes. She is known as New York's best-selling author three times. Wow. It's like, yeah. <laughs> she also wrote for Phyllis Diller. Amazing. I love Phyllis. Yes. Yes. Oh, some great memories when I had a conversation with her. Anyway, wrote 30 hours of primetime programming. Um, she was a Writers Guild Award nominee, mm -hmm. a Dove Award nominee, as well as an Emmy Award nominee. So we love her stories about Bob Hope. And yes. we had a, mm -hmm. when usually when we bring our guests on, we, we have a pre-conversation that we do with them. And our conversation with her was so, so wonderful. Mm -hmm. So we are so looking forward to this amazing, amazing conversation. So up next is Martha Bolton. So sit back, relax. Martha Bolton is coming up. Chris and Will introducing you to an amazing getaway. For the first time, we both treated ourselves to a day of pampering. If you're in the Tampa, Florida area, then please make sure to treat your own self to a day like we did at Spa Nirvana, a sanctuary for face and body, a spa day for men and women. The staff is so friendly, the place is clean, looks amazing, and the best of it, they're following the safety guidelines during these current times. Truly a professional environment. The cost isn't bad neither. Make your appointment today. Imagine a day where you can get the most incredible stress-free relaxing massage, body work, facial rejuvenation, and microdermabrasion. They have so much more to offer, including their signature facial services, including an aluminum oxide-free crystal microdermabrasion facial, the lifting facial of mature skin, and the most comprehensive, purifying, deep cleansing facial. Plus, you just can't beat the environment of soothing music. Healthy snacks and drinks, and you just have to see it for yourself. Guys, it's totally worth it. This is a weekly thing for us now, and I can't wait to go again. This is a Chris Will Highly recommendation. SpaNirvana.com is the website. You can go to ChrisandWill.com for the link as well. Spa Nirvana, 811 Court Street, Clearwater, Florida, 33756. Call 727-447-7546 to make your appointment today. Services are by appointment only and they are filling up fast. So treat yourself, your inner self, to a vacation day at Spa Nirvana. Hey fans, we all love some good music. A variety of music. What if we could bring Chris Will Studios to you 24-7? That's a long work schedule. Maybe, but you know, we just might have it. The best variety of music for multiple decades live on your phone 24-7 with our Gay Orlando Live online radio station. Better known as Go Live. Download the TuneIn app and search for Go Live or go to ChrisandWill.com for more info. So, tune in! 24-7 worldwide. Feel the hits. Go live. We are honored to welcome New York Times three times best-selling author, Martha Bolton. I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, we're doing great. Yes. Yes. We're actually, <laughs> in, we're actually so excited about this. Yes. Actually. Yes. We really are. <laughs> 
Oh, well, this is, I, I am too. This has been a long time coming and um, I'm just excited that it's out and that people are getting to read these letters. I know. Yeah. We, yeah. we got a hold of some of the stuff and it's just like, wow. Wow, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> of course, you know, who could not like Bob Hope? I mean, come uh, yeah. on. Come on. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, and and you find that out, you know, the uh, through the letters, through all of the uh, tributes that people have given him. I mean, there is such respect for him uh, from the, you know, the... Uh, from the GI to the presidents of the United States, I mean, just the yes. world leaders, it, mm-hmm. everybody respected him, and oh, yeah. and you could see why when you when you read these letters and everything he did. Um, Absolutely, uh, this answers the why. If you ever uh, if you ever were curious about that bond between him and the GIs, uh-huh. uh, these letters answer that. Yeah. Yeah, he was a real, mm-hmm. true human being, and it showed. Yeah. It really did show. So let's, let's mm-hmm. you know, let's go into you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. wow, uh, I, am I reading this correctly, that you actually, you've written, what, 80-something books? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, uh, um, you know, it, I started doing one a year, and then sometimes you'd do two, and uh a few times I did three, but it it adds up. I've been at it a while, so it it, it yeah. adds up after a while. <laughs> so so curiosity, how many books have you written since the pandemic started? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been mainly working on on uh, getting ready for for this to come out during during that year. So uh, yeah, I. I kind of there's now projects that I really want to get done, and so I'm uh-huh. kind of concentrating on on them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I I'm not I, I I don't do one a year anymore. I think uh, <laughs> maybe one every few years. So, <laughs> but you know the great thing about that though is there's so much focus, you know, in just putting all of that into that one project. When it comes out, bam, you know. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what at, at what point of your life did you decide to say, hey, I want to be a writer? And then what kind of um, got you into being a writer? You know, that I love that question because I actually I can I can trace back my writing uh, to when I was nine. I wrote a little book called No Fun Being Young about oh. being the youngest of five and and just uh you know the adventures of of the youngest you know the youngest sibling the youngest child and and uh so i could trace it back to that i still have that book and then i also collected jokes uh in in my youth 12 years old 11 years old something like that and i i kept them on these three by five cards and kept them in this little container and i still have that so i i've always I've always loved writing. I I also wrote poetry, and I taped that uh, on the wall, about 35 poems on the wall next to my bed, like wallpaper. That yeah. was all my poetry. Oh, nice. So I, I've always had the bug, but I never, ever thought of it as a career. I, in fact, I didn't really realize that people could live on it. You know, uh-huh. it uh, uh, just never occurred to me. And then... Um, but then I started uh, 
sending some jokes out. I got a lot of encouragement from different people that I should be sending uh, sending my work out and seeing what happened. To, you know, so I, I started sending to different comedians, Phyllis Diller being one of them. Wow. And uh, oddly enough, it, you know, she wrote back and checked off which ones she was buying, and and it just started this this uh, great exchange between uh, her and I, and uh, and then you know other comedians I started writing for. So that's how I got into it. Kind of, kind of, uh, uh, you know, not planned, but just going along with whatever came my way, and and right, right. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. just kind of, kind of. Well, okay, you know, somebody suggested it, so okay, I'll, I'll. I'll do that. You know, what yeah. harm could it be? It's just a stamp, you know, <laughs> you send it off. That's great. So, um, it was just like, fate. Yeah, and, it, it was just like your fate was telling you, Oh, I know what you're going to do for yes. the rest of your life. So I'm just going to put <laughs> you there and you just go with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, and it was carving that path that now at this age, I can look back and say, Oh, of course it, that was, that was all planned. That was in the plan, you know? But wow. at the time, I I wasn't. Uh, I entered a, a, a gag writing contest in a newspaper as uh-huh. a teenager, and mm-hmm. and then you know they printed my gag. And but again, I I never thought of it career wise. But then I uh, took it a little further and uh, wanted to get into script writing, and sent off. Uh, well, I I met a a gentleman who was the creative consultant for Mama's Family and also wrote for Carol Burnett Show. Wow. And then he had, yeah, and he encouraged me because we had, I, we had a lot in common. I wrote for Phyllis, he wrote for Phyllis, uh, and um, and we both did roast. I He, he would roast <laughs> people at his job at, b- before he became a professional writer, and, and I roasted people uh, at at different jobs or uh, at our church i roasted the pastor i'd go from different churches and roast their pastor <laughs> so oh, i kind of wow. had this reputation of of uh of going you know to uh, uh well i just got a reputation for comedy and it just kept kept going in that direction so i i got the uh, uh he suggested i write these spec scripts for mama's family and i did and uh then he got it to the producer Ed Simmons and uh, Ed called me up, told me he loved my work, and that he was going to call me in uh, the next season uh, to pitch some ideas for uh, Mama's Family. Well, what happens is what happens in Hollywood. The uh, show got canceled at that time. It came back later, right, but at that right. time it got canceled, and so there went you know my hopes all got dashed. So I was oh. you know kind of down down in the dumps about that. But Gene also happened to be a writer for Bob Hope. And so he uh, recommended me to Bob Hope, and I he gave me a topic. I wrote some jokes. He got them to Bob, and so I I waited to hear back. And then one night, uh, past eleven o'clock at night, the phone rings, and and sure enough, it was Bob Hope, and he um, wow. told me he loved my work, and and uh, gave me some more topics, of course, and and just started. That's how it started. So I just. He, I'd get topics and turn in jokes, and and then eventually uh, went on uh, staff to become his first woman staff writer. So. Wow, that's you that's, know, yeah. it's it's interesting that you have this story because one, um, I, I imagine the thrill in your head getting a call from Bob Hope at night <laughs> yeah. and sitting there going, "Wait a minute, <laughs> oh, is this a joke?" Oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. So I can imagine that one. But you know, it's interesting because you tell that story and. 
And it's like, well, if it wasn't for Mama's family getting canceled the first time, then this probably wouldn't have happened. And two, we have actually shared a story like that to many people because a lot of people didn't realize that Mama's family did get canceled once and then it got picked back up with a different network. Right. That's why there was a change in Mm -hmm. cast. And I keep telling people, I go, you know, if it wasn't for Mama's family canceling the first time, there would have been no Golden Girls because Rue McClanahan and Betty White were both contracted to Mama's family at that time. So right, when it right. got canceled, their contracts um, got, you know, their contracts went away with Mama's family. And that's when they got picked up for Golden Girls. So it's actually quite interesting that you say that, yeah. that you tell that story because it's similar to that. But mm-hmm. that is actually that is, that's speaking of Golden Girls. Anyway, this one go, kind of goes into that. The episode that Bob Hope was in yes. with Golden Girls. Did mm-hmm. you have any say as far as his role? In that particular episode, well, what what he what would happen a lot of times because he did he would do that he he'd appear on other shows, and uh, and the, you know the Tonight Show all all of those that he would uh, appear on we would usually get a call, and uh, n- not all the time but a lot of the times and uh, would um, you know he he'd say this is this is what I'm going to say see if you can uh, add to it or or whatever and then we uh-huh. we'd send them uh, material for it and. And then if it made it in, it made it in. If not, it didn't. But um, yeah, he we were at his beck and call wherever he, wherever he appeared, whatever whatever he wanted, uh, that he it uh, you know he would get that call from him, and uh, he wanted to be prepared. And and if a line uh, you know could go in in some place, he wanted to be prepared and and uh, right. and let it fly. And then, you know, sometimes he'd, he'd ad lib too, you know, so. Mm-hmm. So did you, did you, um, did he add anything to that, the Golden Girls episode or no? You know, I, I'd have to double check that. That sounds familiar as an assignment when he was going on that. I, I certainly was aware uh, that he was, uh, you know, going on that show. And so I'd have to, I'd have to double check just to be absolutely yeah, certain. Gotcha, yes, gotcha, yes. Gotcha. If, that, if that was an official assignment or or just on the side or whatever. Uh, in fact, one of the Bob Hope writers uh, that I worked with, uh, Philip Jason Lasker, uh, uh-huh. w- did a lot of work on on the Golden Girls as well. So wow, very nice, very nice. Wow. He, he, he wrote and also produced. Yeah. Wow. So go tell me your the the first day that you physically came in face to face with Bob Hope and you guys were sitting there coming up with this material what was what was going through your head i mean there's got to have been so many emotions that just happened at that moment so how was that like well you, number 1 you can't believe that you're in the room with him uh, the my most remarkable one was that phone call uh, uh-huh, you know so that i kind of a uh, I kind of attribute that to my first moment with him because it, it was such an incredible uh, event and, and just took me by such surprise. And, uh, you're, you know, that's Bob Hope on the other end of the line. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it yeah. Almost like <laughs> you're then, thinking, uh, like, is this a prank or, you know, yeah. but obviously it was for real. Um, so, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and then uh, and then probably uh, the next the next one would have been at his house, and uh, we would go down there once in a while. But that, I mean, not not all the time. A lot of times it was just over uh, over the phone. But uh-huh. we went down there enough. We certainly dropped off the material there. Uh, I had uh, this one time I was dropping off 
material. And he had this dog named Snowjob, and he was this big dog, big white dog. And I was always a little afraid to walk by him uh-huh. um, uh, just because of the glare yeah. <laughs> and the, the glare and the growl. But uh, this one time I dropped off the material. And then as I'm leaving his, uh, you know, walking out the door, uh, the dog came up and uh, was down by my feet. And then all of a sudden just took a chunk out of my foot, oh, <laughs> at the wow. top of my foot. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the next day, uh, Bob Hope was was at the airport when it happened, and and he was leaving for an engagement. But the next day, I got a telegram from Bob that said, "Dear Martha, please come back soon. I'm ready for another hors d'oeuvre. Love, Snow Job." Oh. <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! So, so that was a memorable that was a memorable time at his house as well. <laughs> wow! But uh, he was just he was great. I. I I took my kids there um, to the house just to meet them because I'd been working for them and they hadn't met them yet, you know, and they were just little. They were maybe uh, uh, mm-hmm. eight years old, uh, six, seven, eight, something like that. And um, so they were sitting there and then he comes, so sweet, just, you know, took time to, to meet him. Come, come, we could hear him coming down the hallway uh, humming. He, he would always do this, this uh, kind of uh, singing these little notes, just keeping his voice, uh, you know, at, at, at its best and came in and then sat down and talked to them and told them jokes. And, and then, and then we left, you know, it was, it was really sweet of him to do that. And wow. just an, another, another nice, nice memory that I have. Uh, but most of the time we'd have meetings at his house, uh, before the shows, we would often do that and, uh, sit, sit around and all, you know, talk about the different uh, sketch ideas that we could do. Uh, and then we'd go, each go home and write our own version of the sketch. And then Bob would either take that writer's entire sketch or uh, he'd put them together, uh, you know, the, this exchange from this writer and this exchange from that writer and, hmm. and put it all together. And then at the shows, of course, you know, we'd uh, uh, go be going in and out with you know line changes or whatever and uh either up on stage you know he'd call us up or call us to his dressing room and uh so there you know it was just a, it's so many so many uh great memories oh, I and bet. if you go to his dressing room he the the crowd that he would uh hang around with were all his old buddies from uh, um vaudeville and then also you know the up and coming stars but you'd go in there to for a line change and uh, there on the sofa, well, he'd be in his makeup chair, and then there in the, on the sofa, you you know, it'd be people, Lucille Ball or Milton Berle or George Burns or uh-huh. Danny Thomas, and and you're sitting there and they're waiting for a line. <laughs> These comedy oh, legends, and you're like, oh my goodness, the pressure was incredible. You know, you say that. We, yeah. We actually, it was so funny. Um, we actually were in a conversation not only a couple of days ago, or actually yesterday, it was yesterday. I will say, yeah. and we had talked about an experience that we had in Hollywood, and it was uh, it was at the Friars Club. Mm-hmm. You remember the Friars Club in L.A.? Oh yeah, yes. Oh, oh yeah. We got invited to go there when, of course, it was there. It's no longer there anymore. But um, we got invited to go over there, and they took us on this grand tour, and that's all they talked about uh-huh. is 
Bob Hope and Lucille Ball, yes. and they talked about how they yeah. had this this corner inside this club that was specifically or specifically for them. And so you you say that, and it just it it was the vibe of yeah. them inside that place. Whenever we took the tour, was still there. Mm-hmm. I mean, just you could just imagine both of them still entertaining themselves there. It was great. Oh, absolutely. And and whenever they would get together, the the little inside jokes and the goofing off that they would all do together, it was so much fun. And sometimes. Uh, different ones would just show up for the show. They weren't even on the show, but they would show up to be a part of the moment. And sometimes when he would go to the dressing room, they'd go on stage and do their act for the audience. And and then we'd go on with the show, you know, but there was so much uh, just cutting up and and, uh, just having a good time. And you could, you could tell the respect that they all had for Bob. And one, one time uh, the writers, uh, when George was on, we all, because we had worked with him, but we wanted to get our picture taken with him. So uh-huh. uh, we asked him, uh, we went to his dressing room and asked if he would mind. And he was so sweet and nice and, and uh, you know, said, of course. And then afterwards, of course, you know, of course he wouldn't mind. He would he would be uh, uh, pleased. And after we took the picture, then he just looked at us and he says, you know, you work for the nicest man in show business. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, yeah. That's quite great. A, quite a tribute. Yeah, because you know George knew everybody in show business, so uh-huh. wow. <laughs> pretty pretty big compliment. So, I mean, it, it's it's got it's got a big place in your heart as mm-hmm. far as working with some of these amazing performers and these amazing names and and having that part of Hollywood that was just phenomenal in a lot of ways. So, what is in as a, as a writer, I guess. What does it feel for you when you almost see golden age Hollywood almost getting lost that people are forgetting where that 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 made entertainment? What how does that feel as a writer? Well, it's sad because there's so much that they can teach us not uh-huh. only about comedy and uh performances and how to how to have a career and how to have a long career. I mean, that's something they knew. They knew uh-huh. how to do that. And uh, so many uh, of the, you know, stars today, uh, they're they're forgotten tomorrow. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a secret to how, how to continue that career and to, uh, uh, you know, make sure that you have the longevity, not just the, you know, uh, overnight success and then and then everybody forgets you. But I think it's it's that is sad to see that going away and that they you know not enough attention uh is well was being paid for it but I I think there's been oh, since last year uh so many people are looking to the past yeah. and I think it's having a little bit more interest because of what all we went through and we we're, we're starting to realize the importance of all of those people in our lives because we all grew up with them and uh, loved their shows. There was so much laughter in your house because of those shows, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, and just being around those people, you could see they had this joy, this down deep. They had survived it all. They had got, come through vaudeville. They had all been broke at some time. They had uh-huh. all come through the hard way. They had to hang in there when uh, that when they wanted to quit, and uh, and they survived. And they were they were best friends. You could just tell they just they they had bonded and. Uh, and Bob was a very loyal friend. He he uh, never never uh, forgot him. He he brought everybody 
you know, right along. They were all together. He'd go on their show. They'd go on his. And uh, it was just a a real friendship. You know, uh, we interviewed uh, George Shakiris not too long ago. And um, he said the same thing about uh, Elizabeth Taylor. That if you became friends with Elizabeth Taylor, that she was she was your backbone forever. She was very loyal to her, to the people right. that was around her. So yeah. th- that's good to add to that list that, you know, sometimes sometimes the media, I guess, presents Hollywood in a certain way that sells and they miss the important part of their purpose. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that right. especially like with Bob and even Lucille Ball, yes, they, they, their purpose was the things that they contributed to us that mm-hmm. changed our life. That's what it mattered. The, the mistakes they made, that just made them human, um, you know, so so it's good yeah. to hear that. It's actually good, very good to hear that. And it's just, it is sad that, that Hollywood at that time, even going in L.A. and going around Hollywood and seeing some of these landmarks being changed or taken away, that had memory to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we don't, we, we I, I think we should keep that alive because it's so important. History is such an important thing. It is, thing. yeah. They, oh yeah, and they, that's where you learn. You learn, and you know everything that happens. You either learn from it, or you you go oblivious through the rest of your life, yes. and not realizing what you could have learned. So wow. uh, it's it's better absolutely. to learn learn from history. Absolutely, wow. absolutely. And you know, you're talking about the history and all of that, and this is something that I think is extremely important. Um, and this goes into about letter writing and telegrams and things like that. Do you think letter writing needs to be present in the world? I do. Um, uh, because I think we, number one, we, we write more. If it's a letter, you're going to, you got to fill up that paper. Yeah. Right. And there for a while, it was really, uh, really ad- advantageous to have that short little email. You could just do it and you could answer people real quick and and whatnot but but sometimes because of the shortness you know there's so much uh, misunderstanding that happens because yes. you, you know it's not as it's not as clear and you don't the heart doesn't come right. across yeah uh, but in in that in that letter writing there was something about pen to paper i i still write my writing uh pen to paper i'm so glad uh, to hear that, that that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> yes, really? We do too. Yes. We do too. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot of paper around the house, but uh-huh. <laughs> it uh it just feels good. And and you could do it anywhere. You could do it in the middle of the night. I, I do a lot with the light out and so in the morning you can't read it, but it yeah. you know, it, you get these ideas and you gotta write them down. But I, I just I love that feeling. It feels more natural to me as a writer, uh, because that's always that's how I always wrote and it just uh, it, it took me a long time to switch over to a computer just to even do yeah. as much as I do on the computer. But I usually do the, a lot of the first uh, draft will be on paper, uh, and especially notes. I'll, I'll write down notes constantly, and then I put them all together. And now there is an advantage to a computer because in the old days, if you made a mistake, uh, a significant one, like you had to white out two sentences yeah. you didn't yeah. want to send that in uh-huh. and and so you'd have to retype the whole thing and yeah uh, so there's 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 give and take but i do think just as a society we're missing out on on a lot of uh, 
that emotion so that you can get deeper rather than uh you know the being society being shallow and and uh, right. just quick and yep. just okay here's your here's your 10 seconds and uh and bob hope was never that way i mean he he if you think about it he he volunteered for the one war as far as uh, roosevelt felt that his talents would be better served in it entertaining the troops rather than uh, he wa- he had wanted to enlist and he uh he he volunteered for one war but he went for every single war every single engagement and then also not only in war but in peace he uh-huh. was uh there for the for the troops and he did a 50-year commitment, wasn't asked for it. He did it himself. He carved it out. And he was a major celebrity. And uh-huh. he yeah. carved time out for that 50-year personal commitment. And he, he would have kept going. His last military show was when he was 87 years old. And he's crawling in and out of helicopters. He's going up as close to the front lines as possible. He's ducking the same incoming that the soldiers are ducking. And he's 87. He could. Wow. He had built an, an amazing career. He could have retired. He could have fulfilled his bucket list, did whatever he wanted to do. But what he wanted to do, his bucket list, was to be there for the troops as long as possible. And he did it all the way to the end. Wow. Wow. That's courageous. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Is there – now, maybe through one of the letters he responded to or a performance or one of the uh, – uh, many of uh, times he did go to perform for the troops. Was there a time that you could say that you he w- he got so emotional and he felt whatever it was, he felt so deep impacted to it that you, did you ever see him break down at any point because of something that just touched him so I, dear? One of the, uh, one of the shows that touched him the most was, uh, uh, he had gotten this call. Okay, I'll, I'll read this quote from the book. I think one of the most emotional shows I ever played is when I played for the 1st Marine Division at Pavuvu down in the South Pacific. We were playing on this island called Vanika, and this fellow flew over and said, could you possibly do an extra show for the 1st Marine Division? They've never had a show, and they would really love to see you and they're going to invade Peleliu. And so we flew over the next morning, and you knew when you walked out there that you're playing for 15,000 kids, that a lot of these guys you'd never see again. And as it worked out, 60% of those kids were knocked off in this invasion of Peleliu. Wow. Wow. And every time he would talk about that show, um, it would be hard. I bet it's yeah. hard listening. Yeah, to. I, I agree. I'm, I'm definitely. That's what a feeling there. That's wow. Wow. So, <laughs> what would you say your most memorable moment that you had with him, um, personally and professionally, would be? Well, there was this time uh, his w- wife Dolores had remodeled his office in the home, and I was dropping off material, and they wanted me to see the office, uh, and so I, I went up to to upstairs to the office and then uh just to the side of the office there was this hallway and he he said come here martha and and he wanted me to see you know down this hallway and he had it lined on both sides with all of these uh framed photographs 
and there was him with uh, this general and that general and this president and that president, this king, uh-huh. this queen. And we're and he's explaining all of it, you know, as we're going along and we get down to the end of it. And he looked back and he said, with awe, not with any arrogance at all, but with awe, he said, it's something, isn't it, Martha? It really is something. And he couldn't believe where his life had taken him. He it, it, he was in awe of his own career and just it wasn't lost on him. He knew all of this happened for a reason and and I think in his heart he believed the reason was to give back and and wow. he just kept that going he you know this would happen to him this this event would happen and then he'd turn around and give that back and he just kept the whole process in motion of giving and getting and giving and getting and giving whatever he got he gave back and um it just it was an amazing moment because of just it was his heart. It, it, like I said, there was no arrogance. It wasn't showing over. Oh, look at me here. Look at me there. Uh-huh. It, yeah. it was. You know, I can't believe this. Uh, this. And and he had memories of being hungry and walking by a restaurant in Chicago and and seeing the people inside eating. And he was flat broke and didn't have money for food and was ready to give up show business. Uh, and looking in there and they're all eating this great food and he's starving and he never forgot that he he always knew that you know if it would happen that uh, he would be grateful for it and he and he always was wow so would wow. you say that that would be his his true message to everyone is to you know to be grateful in in their life and respect for their life and not to overtake themselves <laughs> Well, I think yeah, at the end of the book, uh, the book is full of gratitude. It's the gratitude of the troops to Bob. It's Bob's gratitude back. And there's so, there, there's so much gratitude in the book. But by the end of it, I think the message that really comes across is, number one, what a remarkable person Bob Hope was. I mean, beyond anything that we could even think, he he went beyond it. And he used every bit of talent that he had. He was a high school dropout that went on to get 54 honorary doctorates. Oh. I mean, he, he incredible, it, it, uh, praised and respected. The most, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the most praised and, uh, you know, award-winning entertainer in history. Uh-huh. And then uh, uh, just also respected by presidents, both Republican and Democrat, and uh, an honorary, made the first honorary veteran. And this is one man. What a difference one man made and could make. One man or one woman can make in the world. And from, you know, from, from a lot of losses, from a lot of rejection, and just kept going. And a lot of, you know, the, like I said, he, he dropped out of high school. His life could have went in a whole different direction. But he determined to live every bit of his life uh, intentionally. And he sure did it that for 100 years. Wow. That he did. That he did. That That's amazing. I'm just, that that's such a warm and, like, very loving feeling. Because with all that in one person, you know, that's got to be mm-hmm. that's 
that has to be authentic and true. I mean, like you had said, it's in awe. It's not out of arrogance. And I love that. Right. I, I love that. Right. Now, what I'm wondering about is um, because Bob Hope um, has a daughter. Um, her name is Linda. Um, what experiences did you have speaking with her um, when you were reminiscing about her dad? Well, we started this book when when uh, Bob was alive. And uh, I had worked on a, um, a project that I got to read some of the letters. And I was so overwhelmed at what was in there that I talked with Bob and uh, told him that I thought it would make a great book. And, and he agreed, but they were so close to his heart that he wasn't sure that he could get through that. Um, so he suggested that I talk with Linda. And so uh, we did, we had meetings and uh, we started working on the book and uh, got pretty far along as far as going through and, and uh, reading all the uh, letters and, and making selections and, and doing some uh, writing, getting pretty far along with that. Uh-huh. And then, uh, uh, as in Hollywood, you get onto other projects and whatnot. And so uh, we, we put it aside for a while, and then unfortunately Bob passed away. Well, a few years ago, then Linda contacted me and uh, asked if I uh, wanted to get back on the book and, and uh, you know, let's finish it and do it up, you know, get it uh, done. And uh, so we did. And I started by then the letters were up at the Library of Congress. So I would go up there and uh, finish the research and, and I would I would write and then I'd send it to her and then she'd send it back with great suggestions. And then I'd send it back and then we'd go back and forth. And then the University Press of Mississippi came on board and we were hoping it would come out last year uh, and uh, because of COVID and, and uh, right. Uh, all the other things going on that we that it you know it didn't but it came out this march but now after 2020 we're all ready <laughs> we're yeah. all ready for hope we're all ready yes. to because we've learned that we need each other and we've learned uh so much uh that that you know to appreciate so much and 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 uh and bob was the master of timing and i think he's still doing it because this is the perfect time for this book to come out yes yes, yes. absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely and there's so much treasure to it there's so much there there's so much to it that makes it it it, it uh how do i say it i don't it, it's it's so close to your heart yes. that you'll just mm-hmm. reread it and reread it because mm-hmm. you're you'll envision all of this happening right in front of your face and the thing about the letters mm-hmm. too is that when reading them you know as we were talking about earlier about how you actually had to write out like the full page and you're just you feel the emotions and the stories i mean yes they were actual events but like reading them i read them as stories you know each yeah. individual mm-hmm. personal letter and to me, that's it's undescribable, basically. Yeah, yeah. It and and it just even from the the first words to him, you know, it's not you know, dear Mister Hope. It's hey, buddy. Hey, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> dear dear pal. Uh, you know, how you doing, Bob? I mean, they. It was it was this close relationship that they had. He was part of their family. Yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. I can see that. Wow. Now, really quick, you have a quote that I just, I, I don't know how to put it into words, but your quote that you have is keeping the love, keeping the laughter. Can you tell me a little bit about more of that? Because I feel those are two, 
two key factors that make someone happy? Yeah, I um, and that you have to you have to love other people. You have to love yourself, and and in loving yourself, sometimes you know there's uh, you you know there's things that you're going to do to protect yourself and and uh, to keep uh, negativity out of your life, but to have as much positivity in your life and positive people around you, and then uh, laugh as much as you can, at, yeah. no matter what you can always find something to laugh about there there would be you know sometimes things would happen in the news that we had to find a different angle to it because it wasn't funny but but if you're going to go into uh, comedy then you find some way that you can kind of just touch on a little bit but then go off on to another uh, angle of it and you could do that with life you just okay this this sad thing is happening uh but you know, what can we laugh about? There's other things that you can laugh about you, and just keep as much humor in your life uh, as you could possibly get. And, and so many people, they have different ways of getting it. Some like to read it. Some like to watch it on TV or YouTube or however, however you get or hanging with friends that make you laugh. Uh-huh. However you get it, make sure you get a good dose of that every day. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. <laughs> you know, you almost, when you say that, you almost want to think that um, during the pandemic, when a lot of different stars uh, started going to social media and doing these uh, performances and these these free uh, these free acts that people could watch to help them get through this stuff, you almost want to think that you know they took the legacy of Bob Hope that when he gave the troops hope and the world hope in any kind of circumstance that people kind of learned off of that. And a lot of the different stars said, you know, we know people are going through this so we're going to do this. We're going to do this like he did. Cause if he was still alive today during this pandemic, I guarantee you, you probably would not be able to keep him off social media doing performances. I almost. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he he'd he'd be right there on top of it. He'd be bringing. There's this one soldier that described it so well, bringing the chins up off the belt straps, and that was what Bob Hope would do. And he would be doing it now in in um, in everything last year and everything going on. He would be right in the middle of it, uh, just just finding something to make people laugh about to, to yeah. get their minds off it and get us all through that, you know, as one, just, we, we make it through together. I can see that. I yeah. can see that. So Martha, I, one last question before we start wrapping this up, but the one thing I always like to ask is um, how would you like the world to see your legacy? Well, uh, my, my motto in life is life's tough. God's good and laughter is calorie free. So oh. that's kind of wow. what I live by. <laughs> that's good. I yes, like that. yes. Laughter is calorie and, free. Uh, that's that's really yeah. good. That's very good. <laughs> I love that. So you can have all the laughter you want and you've got to trust that God is good and Absolutely. know that he is and uh, and that you know that life is going to be tough. It's going to have its rough places, which it certainly does. I don't think any of us yeah. get out of it. Uh, without going through tough times and um, it's just all the mix but that's a good blend and it's a way to have have that mix uh, turn into something good 
Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's what make, made you and Bob Hope such a great match, mm -hmm. because I think that um, he felt that his purpose in life was to give back. And I think in some little way that your purpose of being a writer was to do exactly that. And you guys work together and helping each other do what you guys are meant to do. And that's give people light and yes. give people life in this world. And no matter what's going on, you, you can say that you walked in the room with frowny faces, but they, you walked out that room with smiling faces and you guys <laughs> did a great job with that. Yeah, if you if you know if that's uh, if that's what we can do, that that feels uh, that's just fine with us, and it was fine with you know fine with him, and it's fine with me. And uh, I, you just goodness sakes, there's enough sadness in the world, so yes. uh, we just need more people uh, spreading spreading laughter and uh, just giving people hope. And and uh, that was his name. Yeah, was yep. hope, and oh. I think. Uh, I think that was uh, another thing that uh, was meant to be. So yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Martha, I could we could totally go on for hours and hours and hours because it's such a great conversation. Yes. Um, and I I have to say, one thank you so much for being on our show. It's much appreciated. Yes. And oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, and two, you know, we are so. Honored is not even the word. I think we are so happy that even at this small part that you are a part of our lives, you gave, you, you've given just gracious entertainment and fun and excitement and interest and warmth just by yes. talking to you. And your writing speaks for itself. And so thank you so much for just being you. I mean, that, that's the best way to put it. We really, really appreciate that. Well, I love that. That that's uh, that's very encouraging and and uh, makes me want to go on another fifty years. So <laughs> I'll see if I can make it to a hundred like him. <laughs> hey, you never know. And you know what? We'll be there with you. Yes. Because in fifty years, we'll talk to you again. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Martha, again, thank you so much. Oh, really quick before we go, tell people where they can find this book. Well, uh, they could get it off the. Uh, the website of the University Press of Mississippi, or they could get it at the internet bookstores like uh, Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Uh -huh. uh, and if if they have a nearby brick and mortar store that has reopened, uh, that is open for business, uh, certainly support them and they can get it there. Fantastic. Well, Martha, thank you so much for your talent. Thank you so much for your time. And we really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. Yes, and thank you for the smiles oh. too. Because Chris and I are smiling over here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Breathing, taking a moment of time. Writer goals. Yes. We want to thank Martha for coming on our show and giving us another great episode of What About Our Life with Chris and Will. We are back. So we have so much more episodes coming for season three. Yay! And we will introduce season four, 2022, instead of this year. So we're excited. So keep up with us. Yes. Go to our official website at chrisandwill.com. Follow us on Instagram at chris.and.will and on Facebook under The Real Prince Charmings. Please do check us out and keep up with all the great interviews, events, 
and productions we have going on for our stardom. <laughs> yes, our stardom. We do want to thank all of you for joining us and keeping us going. We truly love you guys. Thank you. Be sure to take care of yourself. And always remember we love you. We thank you. And remember to love yourself and the world will love you in return. But for now, we gotta go. Bye. Bye. Today's episode was a Chris Will production. Broadcasted on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, Amazon Music, and other podcast media platforms. Show hosts, Christopher L. Ante and William Ante. Show guest, Martha Bolton. Chris Will Show assistant, Ginger Lux Ross. Chris Will Show creative consultant, Tony Ross. Show production manager, Janet Dickinson Menard. Show introduction voiceover, Tony Ross. Show publicity, Mona Eliefi of ILDK Media. Recorded at the Chris Will Studios in Celebration, Florida. Produced by Chris Will, a Cali, New York company. Copyright Chris Will. All rights reserved. Official website, chrisandwill.com. Produced October 2021.